As we explore the paranormal, we understand that the word itself implies that the scientific explanation of the world around us is normal, and anything that is above, beyond, or contrary to that is paranormal. What sets the paranormal apart from other pseudosciences is a reliance on explanations for alleged phenomena that are well outside the bounds of established science. In today's episode, we'll be exploring the phenomena behind UFOs, or as they have been recently classified, UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. In 2020 and 2021, the U.S. government released a number of videos that raised some eyebrows. The report found that the U.S. government was unable to identify 143 objects spotted between 2004 and 2021. At least 18 of those U.S. government-reported UAP sightings represent breakthrough technology that involves unusual movement patterns or flight characteristics representing technology or phenomena unknown to man. So the U.S. government has now said that UFOs are real? What about other reports and sightings of UFOs and extraterrestrial life? Does that mean aliens exist? Wouldn't the existence of aliens discredit and disprove biblical Christianity? But what if UFOs weren't definitive proof of aliens or extraterrestrials? Then what are they? I hope you're wearing your tinfoil hat. Welcome, everybody, to the Beers and Bible Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Gabe Rutledge. Gabe, how you doing today, man? I'm doing excellent. Yeah. Just same old. Yeah. Made it, back, just... from, made it back from the island. You did? Yeah. All in one piece. Yeah, barely. Yeah, we, yeah. we actually paddled through some, some of the choppiest water I've ever paddled through. The following morning. Oh. That, that, that morning, we did the podcast episode about... Um, uh, what did we do the podcast episode about? <laughs> I could tell, I could tell it was riveting, and you remembered. I don't remember uh, what it's about. We were talking about ghosts and yes, spirit mediums you. and thank psychics, you. and yeah. But yeah, they, I put Micah in my lap, and we had like all this camping gear in our boats, and we were paddling through um like three foot chop that was like hitting our boats and lapping up. Wow. Um, you know, and hitting like the 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 ocean spray was hitting us in the face and lapping into our boats, and then meanwhile there's like big million dollar yachts like zooming by us and. Yeah, I was actually quite nervous. Yeah. Um, now, can all your vo- all three of your boys can swim? No. Well, Micah can't. But they oh, all had man. life jackets on. I made them like put the life jackets on, and okay. we had we had about a mile and a half that we had to cross under those conditions, and we got across, and then had a delightful time at the at the beach and saw lots of dolphins. Yeah, man. Did Stacy come pick you guys up at the beach? Yeah, yeah, she came okay. picked us up, and we had a uh, we were gonna get food at a restaurant there at the beach, but then she was like, "Wait a second." Um, I will, I will swing by. There was a Culver's. Do you guys have Culver's? Oh yeah. Okay. Heck yeah. We got Culver's. There's a Culver's on the way. And she's like, let me just get Culver's. And, um, you know, we just sit there on the beach and do it. Cause the, the, the wait at the restaurant was super long. Just all the, oh, that's too sp- bad. Yeah. Everybody, I, everybody heard the word that you and I spread on the last podcast, how great it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they went and started eating there. So that's how popular this podcast is. Basically, yeah. Just one shout out, one mention, it just goes viral. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So <laughs> that's stupid. Hey, uh, some of you guys may be watching us today because mm-hmm. 
run the YouTubes. So you can see Gabe's amazing podcast room that we've alluded to many times. Yes. Gabe, um, there's some artifacts behind you. You've got a lantern. Yeah. You've got Florida Man. Yeah, that's... Uh, remember, Gabe guy? Yeah, that's... um. What was his name? Oh, I'm blanking Dave out. Dave something? Dave Sheely. Thank you. Dave, Dave Sheely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The skunk ape hunter. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that next episode. So. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I've got some just you random, got a, random Uganda book. paintings from Uganda. Our friend Zach from Uganda. Yeah. I have a similar painting to that. Yep. And I've got um, my death trap of a skateboard back here. Your longboard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel really insecure about my setup. I've got my guitar. You can see above me. That's all. And then I have um, throughout my back, and so somebody gave me a yoga ball to sit on. Hmm. Or, not a yoga ball, a medicine ball. I don't know what they call these things. A hemorrhoid ball? Uh, yeah, <laughs> a hemorrhoid ring to sit I on. say that. <laughs> so this is like a – and then they taped this to my wall. It was basically their way of saying, hey, you need to stretch because you don't need to throw your back out anymore. Hmm. And then behind me, there's just a whiteboard with random scribble notes. Well, we can see it. all oh. your the deepest, darkest secrets about Resurrection Weekend and what that's going to look like. Oh, man. Yeah. So our, you can actually read those scribbles. Those from a staff meeting I had the other day. So yeah, some of Gabe's them. looking close. Some of them. So if you go on YouTube, you can see the insider secrets of the Experience Community Cannon County staff meetings. Mm-hmm. They're not that exciting. And I, I must issue an apology from the get-go here about going uh, on YouTube and people can see us. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of have a face for radio, don't we? Both of uh, us? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with the YouTube thing. Maybe like uh, two people watch it and other people try to, oh, what do these guys look like? And they see us once and they go, oh, and back to audio podcasting. <laughs> I'm just picturing my mother-in-law like, trying to figure out how to hit the play button on youtube and she's like the only one uh um but yeah how are you how are you doing anything new in your life oh man uh we're doing good man this is a busy time for us we got baseball kicking up coaching my son's baseball team again this year which is awesome and then um yeah man resurrection weekend is this weekend and passover is this weekend and so just busy, really busy, but uh, really good, man, really good. And actually, with Passover being this weekend, this marks our two-year anniversary doing this podcast. It's crazy. Two years. I know. Where did, time, where did time go? Well, we were in the midst of the strangest time in human history for a great portion of those two years, so that's where it went. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. Weird two years. Uh, how many episodes do we have recorded so far? This is, I believe, episode 52. Okay. So that would make sense if it's two years and we do one every other week. So 52 weeks in a year. So yeah. a year's worth of content. That's terrifying. That's, yeah, it is. With it a is. lot of us on the internet talking. That is, my goodness. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. Uh, I've met some f- people recently that say they're listeners and got a chance to meet them recently. I got a chance to meet Sam. Uh, and she, uh, spoke on uh, Saturday night how much she enjoyed the Bell Witch episode as she was in her kitchen <laughs> cooking at night and it was dark. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was fun. Uh, and uh, there's somebody else that I met recently that is a listener, but it's really cool. I, I feel like this started as kind of just a pet project of Gabe and I during uh, 
COVID lockdowns and this has kind of taken on a life of its own. So we're really, really grateful for the people that continue to make this uh, podcast possible by listening and commenting and asking good questions and yeah. So yeah. I, sometimes I'll have people be like, they come up to me and be like, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm like, what podcast? I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah. <And> I'm like, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, really it's kind of funny, man. It's like uh, something that I feel like you and I just every few weeks we hop on and just talk about stuff that's interesting to us. And then uh, other people, I guess, enjoy listening in. So I, th- I think, cool. I think it, it's helped me. Like I had a kind of a paradigm shift or like a, an epiphany, I guess, like we're not doing this podcast to, yeah, we do answer questions. Yeah. We will provide biblical insight and explain things, but I think more than more more than that, this podcast is two two followers of Christ who are r- like just red blooded guys who just you know offer commentary on things. Um, mm. Sometimes that commentary explains things and expounds on things and helps you understand things better. But sometimes I think it's just a genuine conversation we have about um, issues and topics. Um, sometimes we leave it open-ended with a question mark still, but I think, yeah. I think I, I come into it sometimes with this, like, um, almost, uh, insecurity. Like, I don't really know that much about the Bible. I don't really know that much about, mm. um, theology, but really at the end of the day, it's just like, well, I'm just going to be myself and I'm going to do my best. And if I, if I still look like I'm struggling with this, or I haven't completely answered that, that's okay. Because that's what, that's what listeners, that's what viewers want to see as well. Is yeah, that, absolutely, man. You know, you're just like the, I think, looking back over the past two years, if I could reflect for a moment, it's like mm. get get pensive. Yeah, for a second. Mm. let me look up. Let me look up. And yes, we can add in post production <laughs> some music. One of the hardest, two of the hardest episodes we ever recorded, where I was like, even in the midst of recording the episode, I was like, I have no idea what to say. Was the one we talked about Black Lives Matter stuff. Mm-hmm. and social justice and race stuff and then immigration those yeah. are two where yeah. i walked i walked into uh the kitchen and stacy <laughs> would be like hey how did it go and i'd be like i have no idea if anything i just said made sense <laughs> you know like i think i just confused myself more in this topic and well but you know i think that what i've heard from people is that um people really appreciate that mm-hmm. because that's where most people are with this stuff yeah you know, because we turn on the news, we turn on podcasts, and it seems like the talking heads seem to have arrived at this airtight, convenient, concrete answer on one side of the pendulum or the other. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that are kind of left to go, man, I I don't even know all the facts of this. Like, I know there's like a party that says you have to be on this side and a party says you have to be on this side. But there's a lot of people that are trying to make up their own mind and wrestle through these questions. And I think mm-hmm. it's okay to just say that out loud and just say, Hey, we're figuring this out too. Like what we do know is that Jesus is Lord and he gave us his word and we're trying to follow him and we're trying to use his word as a guide to follow him. But a lot of these cultural issues we're, we're figuring out in real time, just like everybody else, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I would implore people, our lineage, you know, our faith coming from the people of Israel Israel was given his name. He went from Jacob to Israel because Israel means to wrestle with God, to strive mm. with God. And that's our lineage. That's our heritage is where we should be people who are known to not just not have all the answers. You might have a lot of the answers and be able to give a reason for what you believe and the hope that you have, but you still are actively striving and wrestling. 
And I think that that's a good thing to do. In other words, if you ever come to a point where you're just like, oh yeah, I know all the answers and I don't have to struggle with this at all. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, life is going to throw all kinds of crazy, confusing, um, morally challenging scenarios at you. And you have to sometimes really wrestle with scripture and wrestle with God over these things and think, what is the answer to this? And Absolutely. it's, it's, it's a, it's definitely a journey. hundred percent. Speaking of journeys, if there was a journey song that talked about UFOs, that's when I would sing it. Mm. But I don't have a journey song that talks about UFOs. Mm. Oh, I do actually. Really? And it's to anybody who is a believer in UFOs. Mm. Don't stop believing. Mm. That was the worst transition we've ever had in yeah. two years of doing podcasts. Mm. Quite but like <laughs> I don't even know what to say at this point. Other than our topic today for exploring the paranormal part two is UFOs, Tom DeLong, and mm. Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Uh, Gabe, Tom DeLong, mm. you're familiar with this guy? Uh, yeah, I mean, from way back in MTV, say, MTV, you're, you're 2000. You're familiar with this guy. Come yeah. on, don't lie. We're both familiar Remember with this Remember Tom guy. DeLong running down the street naked with his bandmates? That's, <laughs> yes, yeah, that's yes. my frame of reference of Tom DeLong. But <laughs> exactly. no, I, I, I have since gone back and I knew that he quit Blink-182 and um, yeah. I wasn't a huge fan mm. of Blink-182, although I was pretty familiar with their music. But going back and We watching, had a roommate who was very, very yeah, into Blink-182. Yeah. yeah. But going back and watching Tom DeLong being interviewed by Joe Rogan about ufos i was like this is a completely different person yes um and then watching travis barker the drummer for blink 182 talk about tom DeLong uh, on joe rogan's podcast as well yeah um was was really interesting because travis barker the drummer is saying oh yeah this has been going on for years like even as yeah. we were broke musicians traveling around the country tom DeLong has he's been obsessed with ufos yeah well, and it's super, it's for those of you who never listened to the band Blink-182, huge band in the 90s and early 2000s. They sold like 25 million records worldwide. They were all over MTV. And they had this reputation of kind of being just like super immature. Like one of their big songs was What's My Age Again? Mm -hmm. um, and so it was like really surprising to anybody familiar with Blink-182 that Tom DeLonge left the band to dedicate himself to pursuing the truth behind UFOs. Mm -hmm. So much so he founded an organization called To The Stars, Academy of Arts and Sciences. And people were like saying, dude, this guy is probably on drugs. He's like lost it. But then something happened in 2019 that the United States Army Combat Capabilities Development Command approach to the stars arts arts and academy and basically like started a cooperative research and development with tom delong's company mm -hmm. which anybody that like is familiar with this was like oh what because like if you watch the interviews with travis barker and mark hoppus those other two bandmates mm -hmm. they would kind of just roll their eyes at tom delong's obsession with ufos like this guy's just kind of nuts and then it gets even weirder because after um, that, they released a number of videos showing what appears to be UFOs. And then the Pentagon responds by saying those videos are legitimate. Mm -hmm. And then 
Um, I don't know if you saw this on the Joe Rogan interview. Tom DeLonge says that he was approached by top U.S. government officials confirming many of the things he and his organization had been saying and basically given access to like classified information. Mm -hmm. So like some really strange things started happening in April of 2020. Of course, everybody's on COVID lockdown. Uh, the news is covering COVID almost exclusively. So there's a lot of things that got buried in the news um, during that time. And one of them is that the U S government officially released and declassified the videos that to the stars arts and Academy, that's Tom DeLong's organization released, mm -hmm. which is really interesting because uh, to the stars released this video. The government said, yeah, that's real. And then the government said, okay, here's the video. And they released it almost like retroactively, like, okay, we can't cover this up anymore. And then in June, 2020, there was a Senate hearing where Senator Marco Rubio basically requested all the video footage collected by the Navy and the Pentagon be released. And then there was this task force that was put together that basically was tasked with the job of standardizing and collecting and reporting sightings of what they're calling unidentified aerial phenomena. So UAPs, not really UFOs, but UAPs, but kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. And man, since then, it's kind of just been off to the races. Like there are pictures and videos. This task force is releasing and confirming um, some of which uh, the United States Navy released i guess pyramid shapes objects hovering above the uss russell um and the spokesperson for this task force which is an office of the u.s government said i can confirm that the reference photos and videos were taken by navy personnel so i mean this is just getting nutty right i mean this is this kind of is like something you'd see in a movie but mm -hmm. this has been happening a lot of this was buried in the news cycle because of covid mm. But basically, this task force came out to say, and this was last year, that there were 143 UFOs or UAP, UAPs that were spotted between 2004 and 2021, and that 18 of them featured unusual movement patterns or flight characteristics um, that basically said, like, we don't have this technology. We don't know what these things are. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of nutty. <laughs> yeah it's like nutty gone mainstream <laughs> yeah 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 it's like yeah i was watching a 60 60 minutes interview um with some of these guys and they were talking about like you know the the 60 minutes guy was kind of like downplaying some of it um but the, the people he was interviewing were like no this is legit you know there's there's some serious sightings and and then then you know so like if you accept that as truth you have a decision to make um okay if these are if the U.S. government is not certain what these objects are that are zipping around, um, mm -hmm. what are they? And so then we we then have a few decisions to make, and it's kind of like a flow chart that we kind of go through, right? Um, which we're going to kind of do in this podcast episode is yeah, maybe help people walk through these different explanations and give them from a biblical worldview um, some some words of caution, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and go from there. Absolutely. So if you're uh, wondering, okay, 
where what have we said so far? Here's what we know for sure. There was a for-profit company started by, of all people, the guy who down who ran down the street naked on MTV, Tom DeLonge, mm-hmm. uh, which is just probably the most bizarre piece of the puzzle. And this for-profit company, the For the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, claims to have intel and definitive proof of UFOs or UAPs. So then the government comes out and says, yes, yes, those are legitimate. And we're actually going to establish our own task force to standardize the collection and reporting of these things. Um, at least 18 of the ones that were reported, uh, the U.S. government basically says, we don't know what these things are. We don't have this technology. Uh, these are phenomena that just unknown to man. So within that, there have been several theories and hypotheses about what these things could possibly be. And with Gabe, this is what we're going to talk about today. But um, there's a really good book. I'm going to hold it up for those of you watching on YouTube. It's called Lights in the Sky and Little Green Men. And it is a rational Christian look at UFOs and extraterrestrials. Really good. Uh, Hugh Ross, Kenneth Samples, and Mark Clark. And in the first chapter, they write about how there could be several explanations that are normal explanations, not paranormal explanations for UAPs. Mm-hmm. And some of the ones that they mention is that it could be misidentified natural phenomena. So things like um, comets, meteor swarms, the moon, stars, and planets. Um, so for a lot of people, when they would see v- Venus at maximum brightness, a lot of people thought that was a UFO, but it wasn't. It was just the planet Venus at certain times of the year. Unusual weather conditions, uh, flocks of birds, and sometimes even big flocks of birds can carry with them uh, phosphorescent dust on their bellies and wings. Swarms of flying insects, hot ionized gases, earth lights. Um, that's basically luminous electrical events from low-level earthquakes. Um, the northern lights. Some people have thought the northern lights were UFOs. And then um, something called sun dogs. That's lights on either side of the sun caused by atmospheric distortions. So some things that people look at and say, oh my gosh, we don't know what that is. We've never seen that before. There's actually a logical scientific explanation for that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It could also be misidentified man-made phenomena. So it could be balloons. That's meteorological or also passenger balloons. It could be military aircraft or unconventional aircraft or secret advanced technology. So a lot of what people thought were UFOs in the 50s and 60s, the U.S. government came out later and said, no, we were actually testing military technology. And that was top secret. And so nobody could know about it. Um, It could be, (laughs) this is really funny to me, advertising planes. I don't know why anybody would see a plane with a big sign behind it and be like, oh, a spaceship. Uh, artificial Earth satellites, hovering a helic- uh, hovering aircraft like a helicopter, blimps, rockets and rocket launches, kites, fireworks, lasers aimed at the clouds. Which mm-hmm. when I read that, I was like, I'm going to go buy a laser pointer and do that. That sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Or searchlights. So um, there are natural phenomena whether that's man-made or whether that's meteorological that could explain some of this right yeah but there's other things that we're going to look at that seem to be unexplainable 
Mm-hmm. What What do you think about that? I mean, what has this been a topic you've ever explored or thought about or? No, I've never really about it. Or to be honest, I've never really been interested in it until, I mean, this past week. It's it kind of been like a peak of of interest that I've ever had in it. Um, yeah. Although you know, let me tell this story, and and you can make it make make what you will out of it. But um, when I was in the Florida National Guard, we would go out to uh, this bombing range in mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere in Central Florida, and kind of the nearest town was Arcadia, Florida. And we would go out to this Air Force bombing range. And if you ever look at the satellite of this Air Force bombing range, you can see potholes all over. There's big giant targets that are miles in diameter um, in in this bombing range. And we go out to this bombing range and we would have all these artillery pieces and stuff with us that we would tow out there. Um, and you would spend the day firing artillery and practicing um, that kind of stuff. And then you would you would camp out next to your vehicle and wake up the next morning and do it all again. Um, anyways, I was, I was a young private, uh, like, so we're looking at like 20, 21 years old. Uh, we're out in Arcadia, Florida. There's no light pollution. It's just in the middle of nowhere. Um, we had been firing, um, one Oh five howitzers, which were like from Vietnam. Um, Mm. but (laughs) we, uh, from the Vietnam, from the Vietnam war, war, uh, but I'm, I'm sleeping out next to a Humvee on the ground. And I remember I had a poncho over top of me and it was kind of like wet from the dew. I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had to go to the bathroom. So I walk, you know, about 15 feet away into some palmetto bushes and I look up in the night sky and, you know, the stars are like super bright and vibrant and granted I'm really groggy, but I, I see, uh, a, a single light way out in the distance, uh, like up like where a passenger jet would be mm-hmm. and it is in the sky and it's just zigzagging back and forth like like to that wow. that speed right there like covering and one zigzag like miles and miles just going like that hmm. and i was just like okay i'm really tired i'm just gonna go back to sleep <laughs> and, and the next morning i was talking to my, my buddy of mine who was another private and he, i was like hey um dude I, you won't believe what i saw last night and i explained it to him he's like yeah, he's like, I woke up and I, I did the same thing at a different, I saw the same thing. What? Yeah, and he was really freaked out by it as well. Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, and I, I thought about it and I mean, it's it's been 25 years since that moment. But I'm like, that is, and I've, I've gone through and kind of like thought, rationalize in my mind, maybe it was just this or maybe it was that. And mm-hmm. um, I really, I can't come up with a good explanation. I'm not like a conspiracy theorist. I don't, you know, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. There was something that I just cannot explain. I have no sure. idea. Well, so. and and the more you dive into this subject, and the more you find there's actually a lot of reports just like that. Mm-hmm. But most of the people that have had experiences like that are very embarrassed and ashamed, a little hesitant to share them. Yeah. Because the community of people that have said we believe in UFOs have basically been the subject of public ridicule mm-hmm. since the 1940s and 50s. Yeah. And, and a lot of this came through, you know, TV, through films, through media. And some people would actually argue that that has been an intentional effort on the part of, you know, media corporations to really discredit their claims and kind of keep everything yeah. tight lipped and hush hush to where anybody that, has an encounter like that, doesn't want to say anything because they're like, people are going to think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. People are going to think I'm nuts, right? 
Um, but man, if you really do a deep dive into the subject, like there are so many claims of experiences like the one you had that go back all the way. I mean, some of them go back to ancient times, but really since the forties and fifties, there's been, um, been a lot Mm -hmm. very similar to that. So there's a guy named J. Allen Hynek, and he wrote a book in 1972 called The UFO Experience. And he gave basically a six-fold classification for how to understand UFO sightings. So they would be arranged basically according to the proximity, like how close you got. Mm. So the first level would be nocturnal lights. So basically lights in the night sky. So according to Hynek, Gabe, you had an encounter with the UAP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give yourself a gold star. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just the first level. You didn't you didn't get close enough, no, actually. Yeah. yeah. So nocturnal lights would be kind become of the first level. Daylight discs would be seeing a UFO in the daytime. And most people that have reported that have said it had kind of an oval or a disc shape. Hmm. The next level would be radar visual. So somebody on a radar can basically confirm, yes, this is a real object. Uh, but sometimes that can be discredited because of, you know, atmospheric anomalies that happen in, in radar. But then you start getting into the close encounter category. So he gives us a close encounter of the first kind, second kind, third kind, and then people have added the fourth and fifth kind. And we'll kind of talk through some of those. So uh, a close encounter of the first kind would be a visual sighting of an identified flying object less than 500 feet away that shows kind of the detail of whatever it is you're seeing. What's crazy is if you really start studying these, these close encounters of the first kind, um, apparently in World War II, it was very common for pilots, both on the side of the Axis fighters and the Allied fighters, to see round glowing fireballs as they would go up uh, to fly on missions. And they called these like balls of fire that they would just see uh, Foo Fighters. Hmm. Which I read that I was like, dude, that's (laughs) the coolest thing ever, right? (laughs) Because that's where the band got the name, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But it was like a really common thing. There were 2,000 reports collected with these... uh, Foo Fighters. So they would go up in the sky to fly on a mission. There'd be these like balls that would fly alongside these planes. People would try to figure out what it is. They would say maybe that's St. Elmo's Fire, which is like a meteorological phenomena that um, even sailors used to report on. Uh, some would say it's the planet Venus they're seeing and reflections from the planet Venus. Uh, some people even said it was hallucinations from oxygen deprivation that pilots were experiencing. Which is crazy. That's not how hallucinations work. Like, you, not everybody has the same hallucination, right? Mm, yeah. And then finally, people said, "No, it's secret weapons from the Germans." But the German pilots were seeing it too. Mm. So it's pretty. It's pretty. Um, that's pretty noteworthy, I think. Yeah. You got two thousand reports throughout World War II. Just a common thing. Pilots are all seeing the same kind of unexplained aerial phenomena. And nobody quite knows what it is. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I think it, it, like how you deal with that information is, you know, that kind of that. So in other words, like the government coming out and saying, okay, yeah, they, there are UAPs, um, how we process that information that we've just been given makes a world of difference. Sure. Yeah. And, and really, I think at that time, that was not common knowledge, right? I mean, there mm-hmm. were bigger fish to fry than trying to figure out what a Foo Fighter was, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. had two, two civilizations trying to take over the world. And so it was kind of like, we, we got to stop Nazi Germany. We got to stop the Empire of Japan. We don't really have time to try to figure out what these things are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, how you process that was really left up to the pilots. I mean, it was just kind of like, okay, what, it doesn't really matter what they are, but you know, we got other things to do. And then in 1947, there was a civilian pilot who flew around Mount Rainer uh, in the U.S. And he reported seeing nine objects flying in a formation. And he described them looking like saucers. And this was kind of the first um, account that really we know of, of kind of that term flying saucer. Hmm. And that was, again, 1947. So really in the 1950s and 60s, that's when people really started using that term, flying saucers. And it was kind of from that account. And then, of course, the most famous incident, if you live here in the U.S., was the Roswell incidents in 1947, Roswell, New Mexico, where there was a um, what later was confirmed by the U.S. Army Air Force to be a weather balloon. But... I think because of, you know, people coming back from the war, hearing about reports of food fighters, because of the earlier incident that year of the flying saucers, people's imaginations were very fertile. And so people started saying, oh, it was flying saucers. There was recovered aircraft. And and so a lot of conspiracy theories formed around that. Even people going so far as to say there were alien autopsies that were performed there Mm. near Roswell. None of that's been confirmed. Um, but I think it, it is significant just to say that the public imagination was really just at a fever pitch because of some of the things going on at that time. And then when you, uh, start getting into what was happening in Europe, there was an incident, uh, called the Rendlesham forest incident in Suffolk, England in late December of 1980. And there were several hundred reported sightings of unexplained lights like several hundred people in this part of England started saying, we saw the same kind of unexplained aerial phenomena. We don't know what this is. It all kind of looks the same. There was all kind of a shared narrative by several people of that. Um, in France, there was the Venensol UFO incident in 1965. There was another incident in 1981. Um, in 1965, there was a UFO incident in Pennsylvania called the Kecksburg UFO incident. And then one I thought that was really interesting, this is more recent, this is 1997, there were in the city of Phoenix, Arizona, thousands of people, this is March 13th, 1997, claimed to see V-shaped lights flying in formation over like a 300-mile range. Hmm. So you can actually go online, you could type in the Phoenix lights and look up videos and look up uh, pictures and to what we know of, to our knowledge is um, the U S government later came out and said, Hey, some of that was, was us, but then (laughs) some of that they have no explanation for. 
Interesting. I don't think I've ever seen. Let me look up a photo of the Phoenix Lights. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting just to kind of see. Oh yeah, I have I have seen photos or video of this. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Wasn't really picked up on by major news outlets. It was more like fringe news. Again, there's been like this huge effort, I think, by mainstream media to to ridicule anybody who acknowledges the possibility of this stuff. Mm. Basically say people are crazy if you acknowledge that there might be some possibility. So there's this huge public stigma on this. But when you really start looking at it, man, there's been thousands of people in about a 60-year period that have all said we've had legitimate experiences that we can't explain. Hmm. And so like, what do you do with that? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe the, like the U S government might be embarrassed by that or doesn't want people to panic or something. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, Like it's, you know, it's kind of a, it's a national security threat, I would say. So like they, they don't want, the U S public to think, why do they have this technology and we don't. Right. Um, I don't know, but I'm I'm not sure the motivation behind it. Yeah. And there's a lot of unanswered questions as to why the government basically kept denying these things for a long, long time. And up until recently, and I say recently, like the last two years, Mm -hmm. like up until recently, the government basically was very tight lipped or would go on a smear campaign against people who claim to believe UFOs or, come out and say, hey, all this is just classified mm-hmm. stuff, right? That you guys yeah. don't need to know. We're just trying to keep you safe, right? So, I mean, like we said earlier, there's a lot of possible explanations for these. It could be man-made phenomena like satellites, government testing, weather balloons, yada, yada, yada. Could be misidentified natural phenomena like meteorological stuff going on, planets, yada, yada, yada. It could also be hoaxes. I mean, such was the case of Nessie, mm-hmm. Loch Ness Monster, a lot of some of that stuff. And we'll get into that next week when we talk about cryptids. Um, but I mean, you see that in Roswell, there's some very imaginative and delusional people that were just trying to make money. Mm-hmm. And so they just sort of embellished some of these things. So those are all explanations. Or the third explanation that we're going to explore a little bit is these things could be legitimate non-human entities. That's a possible explanation. Not saying it is, mm-hmm. but just saying that's that's possible, right? Yeah, like I kind of have to, I kind of have to go there because some of the testimony I've seen from like fighter pilots and stuff, air, you know, Navy fighter pilots, the, what they say about these sightings is that they interact with. The person mm-hmm. who is observing them or the aircraft that is observing them, they, they respond to stimuli, which is one of the characteristics of life is that right. you respond to, to outside stimuli. Um, so whether, so, so here we're, we're going to split into, is this human life or non-human life? Right. And that's right, where right, you right, kind right. of have to, that's, so we're at that point of the flow chart of, right. Okay. Is, so we're past whether or not this is real. Now we're like, okay, these are, if these are real, is it human life or non-human life? Or, yes, another way to look at that is, is it extraterrestrial life mm-hmm. or is it something else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, it could be human life or non-human life, um, that split, right? Yeah. But it could also be intelligent life from another Yeah, so planet. I would say that that falls in the category of non-human human life. Right, okay. So there's kind of two hypotheses mm-hmm. for, you know, if this is 
if UAPs are legitimate non-human entities, right? There's two main hypotheses. One is it's extraterrestrial life, so life from another planet. And the other is it's an interdimensional being. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it gets really interesting. Right. Yeah. So if you acknowledge this possibility that UAPs might be legitimate non-human entities, then you really have to just import a worldview into that possibility to explain what those entities might be. And really, if you start researching where we have been just culturally over the past 50 or 60 years, there has been this predominant worldview that has fueled the quest to connect with extraterrestrial life. Mm -hmm. And that worldview is really Darwinist evolution. Mm -hmm. And that worldview basically says intelligent life and humanity evolved here on Earth as the product of random chance because there's nothing special or unique about earth. We just, earth got lucky, right? Mm -hmm. So if chance, if the luck of the draw led to life evolving here, then most certainly it has to exist somewhere else. And so the thought process is that even though we as human beings have no evidence whatsoever that life exists in other planets and other galaxies, it has to, <laughs> right? And if you ask why, it's, well, because it exists here because of evolution. There's no such thing as a creator God. There's no such thing as, you know, an architect of human life. It's just chance. So if no one plus nothing equals everything we see here on Earth, then why would life not exist in other places? Mm -hmm. So then the quest becomes, we have to prove that life exists on other planets, that in intelligent extraterrestrial life is out there because if we can prove that then science wins religion is antiquated and old-fashioned we can achieve progress and finally rid ourselves of these silly ideas about god hmm. so for a lot of people that's the quest to prove extraterrestrial life and uh kind of the the godfather of that was a guy named carl sagan mm -hmm. he had a tv show called cosmos and he wrote the novel contact which they made into a movie starring Jodie Foster. Does that make sense? I mean, can you kind of mm -hmm. see that undercurrent behind this, yeah. this quest to prove uh, extraterrestrial life? Yeah. And, you know, you can see that in the Tom DeLonge interview with Joe Rogan, kind of he, while he's saying one thing in his f facial expression and his eyes, you can see a longing for something else. And I think that mm -hmm. longing for him is a connection with with like the origin with a, a connection with um right. with the divine um with something higher and beyond himself because he he's no doubt a really deep thinking intelligent human being mm -hmm. who thinks has to grapple with these big questions of like where did i come from and why am i here right and richard dawkins attempts to kind of answer those questions as well with his theories about being intelligent designed by extraterrestrial beings as well mm -hmm. and it's like we all have to try to we have to try to answer these questions of where did we come from and then i think there's in, a, in every human this desire to to connect with something that's beyond ourselves even if we are a raging atheist we still long for an for for that connection to 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 our origin to our past or to something 
smarter than us. And you right. kind of see that in the Tom DeLonge interview a little bit. Almost like a desire for transcendence. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for taking what I was trying to say <laughs> over the course of three minutes <laughs> and spitting it out. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I like, I, I think in us that we want to know that life is more than just survival. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We want to know there's some sort of a grand architecture going on. Mm -hmm. And I would say that even like what makes it so interesting about kind of where we are culturally is perhaps the generation before us, guys like Carl Sagan and Richard Dawkins were interested in extraterrestrial life as a kind of in their minds, they thought that was a checkmate against Christianity and religion. Right. Mm -hmm. But you see in some of the guys we're going to talk about here in a minute, like uh, Stephen Greer and Tom DeLong, like they're kind of open to like this weird spirituality mm -hmm. that basically is stating like, yeah, I mean, this proves there's no such thing as a Christian God, but there's something, there's some sort of a life force out there. Right. Yeah. Um, which kind of gets into some nuttier spirituality that's a little bit concerning and troubling on its own, you know? Well, it's like, yeah, uh, I, I would say that, I'd say that secularism as a, as a way of looking at our origins, a way of looking at our, our, our reality has done so many people wrong. And mm -hmm. a lot of people realize that and are leaving that. And some commentators would say, and, and, um, philosophers would say that we're leaving secularism and we're entering what what we will look back at and call it post-secular era yeah in other I words yeah. yeah we're we're entering a a new spiritual era where we are all saying yeah no secularism doesn't make any sense whatsoever we cannot right. have come from nothing there has mm -hmm. to be something that formed us and so then you'll see people spin off into these things like you know, doing DMT and other psychedelics mm -hmm. and looking for extraterrestrial life and all these other things. And they're looking ultimately to try to answer that question of origin. Right. Yeah. So for those who still hold to that secular material worldview, mm -hmm. there's a ton of leaps of logic going on. And the first is why would the existence of life on other planets prove the non-existence of God? Mm -hmm. why would it prove the theory of Darwinian evolution? Couldn't, if there was a God out there, couldn't the God just create life on other planets as well? Um, and let's just say the operators of UFOs or UAPs are really non-human entities. Why would they have to be from other planets? Like, why would they have to be extraterrestrial? What's, what's to say they mm -hmm. couldn't be spiritual or interdimensional beings that have always been with us? Hmm. Right. So I, I think your worldview comes in mm -hmm. to interpret phenomena you're seeing. And I think that happens a lot with people that, that see this. Um, so back to kind of the scale that we talked about, the Heineck scale of we said there's um, seeing uh, nocturnal lights, seeing daylight discs, seeing radar visual, seeing close encounters of the first kind, which are you see a some sort of an aircraft or spacecraft, you know, 500 yards away from it, 500 meters away from it. And then you start getting into more close encounters. And this is where things kind of get more and more bizarre and absurd and a little bit troublesome just from, from a spiritual sense. Uh, there's close encounters of the second kind. 
This is where people encounter a UAP or UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged. So animals reacting, a ph physiological effects such as paralysis or heat or discomfort in the witness, like a physical trace, impressions in the ground, scorched or otherwise affected vegetation or a chemical trace. And if you start <clears throat> researching that and in, in reading testimonies of people who have alleged to have encountered ufos it seems like most of them will um say that there was like a feeling of darkness and a feeling of terror and mm. a feeling of almost being like violated mm. after they see that which is very interesting just mm. from a spiritual standpoint it is yeah so that's from the second kind and then there's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which if you're a, a movie buff, you've probably heard of that movie, Steven Spielberg. I released this movie in 1977. Uh, actually, funny story, uh, J. Allen Hynek, the creator of this scale, had a cameo in that movie. Hmm. So, you, you ever see that movie? No, I haven't. What's the name oh, of it? Oh, dude, it's a good movie. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. No, I haven't. It's Steven Spielberg? Yeah, man. Oh, okay. It's a great movie. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law and I have a running joke that he's he's a big movie guy, and Every single, like literally every time he asks me, have you ever seen this movie? I'm always like, no, I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> I just don't watch a lot of movies. And he's just like, he's like, he's like, have you seen this? And he's like, oh no, you haven't seen that. Because <laughs> he like stop himself mid question. And be like, oh, I'm yeah, even yeah. asking this question. You're, yeah. Well, it's really interesting in the movie. There's a, the, the movie basically tells the story of all these people from random parts of the world that are having these experiences where they're seeing the same place. Like, mm-hmm. They're all like they encountered nocturnal lights or they encountered, you know, close encounters, of the first kind, they saw some sort of a craft. And then after that, they all were just like mesmerized and in their minds, they couldn't get over this like hill that they just kept seeing. Like one yeah. guy just like every time he sits down for dinner and he has mashed potatoes, he's like sculpting a hill out of mashed <laughs> potatoes. Like seriously in the movie, that's what it is. And then you see these people communicating with, extraterrestrial life through music so um there's like a certain song like a certain scale that they're playing like on a keyboard and that's how they communicate interesting with, uh, yeah it's super interesting but all of it is again based on like the the scale the Heineck scale but hmm. um so close encounters of the third kind would be someone that encounters a ufo that they actually encounter an animated entity Mm, okay. So a humanoid, a robot, or a human that seems to be the pilot or an occupant of a UFO. Interesting. And again, these are really fringy testimonies. If you start getting into the close encounters of the third kind, you can't really verify this. You just basically have people that say this happened to them and you're like, okay, that's your word versus anybody else's word, right? Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of space movies, there's space one. Space Jam? No. <laughs> <laughs> great movie yeah here let me read a description of one okay this is, this is a 1984 film and see how fast you can get it after okay. finally achieving a high score on this arcade game his favorite uh every teenager alex uh everyday teenager alex rogan meets the game's designer centauri who reveals that he created this game as a training ground for developing and recruiting actual pilots to help fight a war in space missed oh. away from the banality of his trailer park life to a distant alien planet uh, 
Alex struggles to use his video game playing skills to pilot a real ship with real lives at stake. Is it Tron? No. Is it War Game? No. Is it The Wiz? Not the last, the last Starfighter. Did you ever see that? I, no, Have I didn't see that. that? Oh, uh-uh. Who is that? Is that uh? What I'm I'm thinking of the the uh, the one it's with Nick, Matthew Broderick. Nick Castle, director Nick Castle, starring the... Lance Guest, Dan O'Hearly. Oh, yeah. I missed that one. Twenty nine million dollar budget. <laughs> <laughs> All wasted, right? Yeah. Two stars on IMDb. I never saw that one. I gotta look okay. that up. That's good. Uh, so yeah, that's a close encounter with the third kind. You don't really, again, see too many verified of that. But the next scale is kind of where things get a little bit nuttier. And that is close encounters of the fourth kind is essentially an alien abduction. Here's Heineck, where the, here's where the probes come out. Exactly. <laughs> Heineck never actually put this encounter on his scale because again, there were no verified, um, accounts of this other than just people's words right mm-hmm. but then since then more and more people have started coming out and saying that they have had these experiences and really like most of the people that have these experiences talk about really absurd hallucinatory and very dreamlike events mm-hmm. where they'll have an encounter with an entity that captures them and then there's a lot of like examination and procedures. Like you said, here come the probes, right? That's actually a very common theme. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's really interesting is like, if we're believing extraterrestrial life is highly evolved life forms from other planets, wouldn't they have superior medical uh, technology? But um, a lot of people that talk about, you know, I have been abducted, talk about almost like being assaulted like sexually mm-hmm. assaulted, like in a really cruel and bizarre and crass way. Mm-hmm. And that sounds really weird, but that's a pretty common theme. Um, then they usually have reports of these beings conferencing with them, speaking with them, a lot of times tele- telepathically. Mm-hmm. Um, these people kind of touring the captor's vessel, you know, whatever the spacecraft is. Most people experience like this loss of time where they just kind of, they're in this dreamlike hallucinatory state where they just kind of lose all track of time. And then when they return, a lot of people talk about having like injuries and bruises and they feel violated. They have disheveled clothing, but then they feel like this kind of strange high and profound sense of like, they had this mystical experience. Like they have a oneness with like this God or this universe or even their abductors. But then what's interesting is anybody that's reported this talks about how they have like these really traumatic psychological, physical, and social aftermath after that. Hmm. So that's really interesting. People that have had those experiences. And again, we can't verify that because again, it's people's word versus anybody else's there's nothing to prove that actually happened to people but it is pretty noteworthy to say that almost all of them have a shared narrative and the fruit of that narrative is never like seems to not be that positive (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so what do you make of that oh i have no idea that's uh i just have no idea yeah it's like i i 
I, I, I don't have a category for that, I guess. If and someone I from your church came to you and said, Pastor Gabe, this happened to me, what would you say to them? Man, I have no idea. <laughs> and, <sighs> I, I honestly, I don't have a category for that. Yeah. I, I you know. I I don't want to dismiss it, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't want to add credence to it, um, right? But I guess, yeah, I have no idea. I just pray that that doesn't happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what would you do? What would you say? Well, I mean, I'm probably going to let the cat out of the bag. I don't believe that there. Are, uh, anybody that has an experience like that, let's just say that's a legitimate experience. I would say, mm-hmm. okay, let's just talk. Why would extraterrestrial life do that to you? Mm-hmm. Like why you, number one. And why would they sexually assault you? Mm-hmm. Why would why would they do anything? So I got to go back to my Bible. I got to read the book of Genesis chapter six, where it talks about the sons of God found the angels or the uh, the daughters of men attractive and they went into them. So we see in the book of Genesis, and we see kind of an ancient Hebrew understandings that the spiritual beings were interested in violating humanity mm-hmm. and having real physical contact with humanity as a way to deceive them and violate them and corrupt them. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Mm. So this is just me. And again, this is mm-hmm. something somebody listening to this go, okay, come on, this guy's a nut. I would say if somebody came to me that had an experience like that and they talk about how they felt traumatized, they were sexually assaulted, they felt, you know, just like this euphoria and this sense of like just hallucination, I would say, man, you had a spiritual experience. You didn't have an experience with an extraterrestrial. Mm. But yeah, I like that answer. My only objection, I'm just kind of like, I'm I'm honestly curious, is like, was the, were the encounters in Genesis with the fallen angels and Nephilim and, and, mm-hmm. and human beings, was that a spiritual experience or was that a physical experience? See, I don't know. Maybe both. Yeah. So like, I mean, what if it, like you tell, you tell a young woman that and you're, she's like, well, am I going to experience childbirth after this? You know, it's just, is this going to lead to, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, yeah. I don't know, man. I, don't I probably to, wouldn't pull out the book of Genesis and go, hey. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. So, right? so someone who is coming to me is <clears throat> saying that mentally there's a lot going on there. Like oh, there's, yeah. there's a lot of instability, whether that's like legitimate or not. Like, you know, I guess I would be like, okay, let me read. T- let me let me open the pages of Genesis chapter six and read to you about this Nephilim thing. I don't want them to think, okay, I'm pregnant with an alien baby, you know, like, because <laughs> yes, no, that's, that's going to open like a yeah. whole other can of worms. I get what you're saying. But I, I agree. I think that that's a pretty good, like between me and you, and I guess whoever's listening, like that, <laughs> the several, several hundred people who are listening to this. Yeah. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good explanation from a biblical worldview that this, this is likely a spiritual encounter from a demonic entity yeah. and the Bible makes room for that sure Um, so again but like what we're saying is not everybody who reports a close encounter of the fourth kind actually had a closer encounter of the fourth kind right right right. yeah some people could be mentally ill and Mm -hmm. have a delusion 
some people could be creating a hoax to make a lot of money off of this. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have done that. Um, or could be like a chemical reaction to a drug they took. Yeah, who knows, right? Or hallucination. But if someone legitimately claims to have had an experience like that, and the aftermath of that experience, the aftermath of that is, man, they feel like they were assaulted. They feel like they were mm -hmm. violated. They feel like they're in a dream state. They feel like everything's just, you know, they don't know what's up, what's down. I would say, okay, then let's talk. Like there, there is something spiritual happening here. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's when my worldview comes into it. But I think if we really start lifting the hood on this stuff, especially as we get into the next category of alien encounters or excuse me, um, UAP encounters, it, it starts getting into the occult and it starts getting into the new age. Mm -hmm. Like there is a link now to this point. Once you, you know, pass the, Hey, there's lights in the sky and it starts getting into, well, I encountered an actual being Mm -hmm. Then you start delving into the world of the occult. Mm -hmm. So a close encounter of the fifth kind, again, Heineck never put this on a scale. This has only come out recently, is where people claim to be able to have direct communication between extraterrestrials and humans. <clears throat> and this is where we get into the world of the occult, primarily. The leading expert on this right now is a guy, named, a guy by the name of Stephen Greer, Dr. Stephen Greer. Um, he claims that he had a experience with a UAP at close range when he was 18 and then another experience at 35. He got trained though. And this is very interesting and noteworthy. He got trained in transcendental meditation hmm. and he served as a director of a meditation organization. And he founded in 1990, a center for the study of extraterrestrial intelligence. Um, and basically he claims to have over 3000 confirmed, confirmed reports of, um, UFO sightings by pilots and 4,000 of traces. So close encounters of the second kind, but his organization teaches how to basically initiate contact and communicate with extraterrestrials through meditation. Hmm. That's a little and, sus. Yeah, a little bit, right? So he offers, I looked it up. I went on, um, you can actually, this is, don't do it, but there's an app you can download. Stephen Greer has an app and you can hop on his app and his app teaches you how to initiate contact with supposed extraterrestrials. Hmm. This is how dedicated he is to it. He wants to get 1% of the population of earth to meditate and make contact to basically get the attention of what he sees are extraterrestrials, which is, is crazy. Like that's his goal. Right. And so to that end, man, his organization offers seminars so you can sign up. And I got this off their website. Uh, one of their weekend long seminars, he claims to provide a deeper understanding of the science of consciousness, interdimensional travel, how we can communicate with other interstellar beings using ancient practices and modern technology. And um, he's kind of started being a little bit mainstreamed because the singer Demi Lovato is apparently a really huge fan. Hmm. She <laughs> she makes me laugh because <laughs> she's, oh man, bless her heart. Uh, she went on recently and said that it's uh, intolerant to call extraterrestrials aliens. Hmm. So she's on a campaign to make sure we don't call them 
aliens anymore because that would hurt their feelings, right? (laughs) Yeah, they're extraterrestrials. I know what would hurt Demi Lovato's feelings is the fact that I've never heard of Demi Lovato. I don't know (laughs) who Demi Lovato even is. Trying to like, she's a singer. I don't even know what she's saying, man. Like, she's. I guess she's. Let me look on Spotify what she's saying. Let's see if you've heard any of the songs. Like I'm still, I'm still in like Amy Grant. Okay, yeah. This is coming from a guy that never seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I know Demi Lovato. Well, pulling up on Spotify. That's that's interesting. I mean, there's so so much entertainment and media being pumped out that involves extraterrestrial entities and encounters and visits and, I mean, even love affairs. Um, Yeah. I mean, we joke and stuff about like having uh, alien babies, but like, do you think there could be straight up demonic manifestations that masquerade as being um, extraterrestrial beings here to, to cure all of humanity's woes? Absolutely. And being like half human, half whatever. I mean, like I could see how if if we keep, if we stay on the the entertainment trajectory that we're on, Mm -hmm. if that were to happen in the next five to 10 years, humanity would be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Humanity would be like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we do need fixing and we have been waiting for you. Um, right. And we would just give them all the keys of power. And, um, Mm -hmm. and that, that would be obviously, uh, catastrophic because if this is a demonic entity from the pits of hell then that would mean the ruin of but i, I don't know obviously yeah, we know we know the end of the story and it's sure. not sure so like there's this huge leap of logic going on with stephen greer demi lovato anybody that's into this whole close encounter of the fifth kind right mm-hmm. that we initiate contact with extraterrestrials through meditation and through inviting contact and the leap of logic is this every entity that we encounter is from another planet, hmm. right? That's a massive leap of logic. Yeah. Why couldn't they be something else? I mean, these people are acknowledging the reality of a spiritual realm mm-hmm. and saying that these extraterrestrials have tapped into that spiritual realm. But what if they're not extraterrestrials? What if they're beings that have always been with us in the spiritual realm here on Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Um then you start getting into this weird thing of the occult of like anybody that takes place in psychedelics and in DMT and in astral projection will verify that once you get into that world, there are malevolent beings that want to destroy you and deceive you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you start dabbling in this world of meditation and inviting contact telepathically with these beings, Mm-hmm. Man, you're opening the door for that stuff. Yeah, and obviously from the from the biblical worldview, like just just a few things from the biblical world. First of all, if it is verified that there is life on other planets, that would not discredit biblical Christianity in any sense. Like God would still be Creator, Jesus would still be Savior and Lord. <laughs> There'd be lots of theological considerations for that. Because we have to ask, okay, are these beings still made in the image and likeness of God? Mm-hmm. Right? Would these beings need redemption from a fall? Mm. And we would understand that God would have 
made a way for them to be in relationship with him if they were made in his image and likeness, right? I mean, like God's mm-hmm. good and God's big enough to do that, right? So there's no way does that discredit biblical Christianity. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think it's like you have to ask yourself, did they fall into the the realm of Romans 8 where all things are subjected to the frustration, the creation is being frustrated because of the fallenness of man? And yeah. I would say that, yeah, they would fall into that realm that that right. they they need redemption from our fallenness yeah. being part of creation. Yeah. Because, so, I mean, even if you accept that they're from another planet, uh, which I personally don't accept that. If if we did, if we if we physically observed one of these entities leaving Mars and heading towards us, and we're like, okay, oh, yeah, they they live on Mars, it's undeniable. Yeah. Then we we have to um, tell ourselves, yeah, that's that's um, that is a created entity that doesn't negate the fact that there. It doesn't. In other words, it doesn't do away with the necessity of a creator. Yeah. And a lawgiver and a judge. Um, right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, I mean, to be honest, if you start reading the science, and again, there's an awesome chapter in this book, um, and Hugh Ross wrote in this book um, that we talked about earlier, The Lights in the Sky and Little Green Men, he talks about life on other planets. Man, they are trying their darndest in these secular societies where they come from a Darwinistic evolution perspective to prove that earth is not exceptional and life can exist on other planets. And then through satellites and through the Hubble telescope and through all these things, they're trying as hard as they know how to prove life is sustainable on other planets and they're coming up empty. Hmm. So like the mathematical possibility for life like ours to exist on other planets is, I mean, it's, it's an almost impossible. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, I, I could be wrong. We could be wrong as humans if we say, man, there's no such thing as life on other planets. We could be wrong. But the more the science comes back, kind of seems like we're it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, truly, right? Which is so funny that so many people that claim to be scientific say, no, it has to. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're starting with a premise and then going in trying to prove your premise, that's the opposite of science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Science is observation. All the observation is pointing to, we're alone. We're it. <laughs> and I think that proves the biblical worldview to say, man, we are the crown jewel mm. of creation. We are made in the image and likeness of God. Um, so I would say, like, no, that there is an alien life. There is humanity, and there's angels, and there's demons. Mm. So... I think another question we have to ask if we're looking at the biblical worldview is what's the fruit of these encounters? Like when Mm -hmm. someone has a close encounter of the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth kind, or they see lights in the sky. If you read about these experiences, most of the fruit of these encounters is really either an obsession with trying to discover a reality out in the universe that would disprove the existence of God and discredit Christianity Mm. or the other fruit is anxiety, darkness, terror, physical and mental trauma and other really, really dark stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Confusion. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's significant to really think about. Um, so I think we could just kind of leave it at this. Could it be that many who believe these extraterrestrials that they're encountering, that they're seeing in the sky, that they're encountering through meditation, they're summoning through medium, they're actually just demonic beings that are masquerading as something else to try mm. to confuse humanity and lead them away from creator God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I think, um, that there may be technologies that are developing worldwide that we don't know about and that Absolutely. our government is suppressing the knowledge of because of their, you know, wh whatever motivation. But I think that our, our curiosity as humans and our intrigue about the supernatural realm can be hijacked by the supernatural realm. Sure. And, you know, so you could, uh, demonic realm might piggyback on that curiosity mm -hmm. and hijack, you know, but yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating topic. And one, I think we just barely scratched the surface. on. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, you know, I'm always hesitant to like even go into these topics and stuff because I never want conspiracy theorists annoy me. <laughs> I am su such a skeptic and I'm like, yes. and it's like a lot of the conspiracy theories that are out there are just completely fruitless and mm -hmm. do nothing to that. We're completely right. powerless in many of these things. Like we talked in the past about the deep state and stuff. It's like, okay, yeah. What if all that is true? What are we going to do about it? Exactly. You know, if, if you really believe the United States government is that nefarious, then where are you going to go? What are you going to do? You going to move? No, you're not. You're going to sit right there on your couch and you're going to keep watching YouTube. Like really, like that's the end of the day. Cheeto dust gathering on your neck beard. Yeah, like you're yeah. not going to do anything about it and you're powerless to affect any change. Right. And meanwhile, your your kids are, you know, missing their their quality time with their parent because they're so obsessed with these different things. So I, I get really annoyed at conspiracy theorists. Me too. But, so I hope that this episode doesn't doesn't drive you towards conspiracy theories but mm -hmm. drives you towards the word of god and the word of god will drive you towards living holy and set apart and raising godly families and children and disciples absolutely um i hope that's what that does yeah absolutely so i mean everybody's got to settle in their mind you know if if you feel led to settle in your mind what these experiences people claim to have are mm -hmm. um and you come to the conclusion that i think i have come to and that is you know, some of it's government secrets, some of it's people with really fertile imaginations, but then some of it that can't be explained, I think, is demonic deception. Yeah. There's no point in me giving the devil glory and obsessing over demonic manifestations, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just no point, right? I mean, if I understand theology, I understand Satan has some power right now to deceive, to discourage, to you know, torment people, confuse, yeah. confuse people. Why would I play into his, um, deception by giving him a lot of glory and just obsessing over it? Mm -hmm. Just say, okay, well, somebody has a spiritual experience and the fruit of that is darkness and confusion and leads them away from the one true God. Then that's not of God. So yeah. I don't, I don't need to give that any more credit or credence than, than that. So. Yeah. I just hope that when they, zap us all with their lasers it's just quick no i'm ready i'm ready just make it quick yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Wow. No, they won't do that what if what if there is life on other planets and then like we were so excited about life on other planets and then they like revealed themselves to us this is like nothing special it's just like 
humans from Arkansas or something. They all look like Bart Simpson or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like and we're like, oh, that's it. What have you guys discovered? And they're, <laughs> they're like, all very Ill- unintelligent. Yeah, they're like, we've discovered how to make a mailbox that has a tray that slides out when you open the door. And we're like, that's all you have in yeah. terms of technology. Yes, and we're like, oh, and we're just like super disappointed, you know? Yeah, they like they like gave us hot pockets. <laughs> they're like remember those things we gave those to you guys you guys were trying to burn the roofs of our mouths Mm. aliens that's right hot pockets do that they do that when's the last time you had a hot pocket i have no idea yeah it's college for me college for me that would have been it's been more recent for me has it were you a ham and cheese guy or a pepperoni hot pocket pepperoni pizza hot pocket guy? probably pepperoni pizza yeah yeah I used to, uh, when I was getting into running, uh, there was a, a guy that uh, was in my discipleship group, Stephen. And uh, Stephen was in the uh, Army, or he still is, I guess, in the in the Army Reserve. And before he would have to do his physicals, he would have to make sure that he could run two miles in a, you know. A certain amount of time. A certain amount of time. And so yeah. he would be, uh, he'd call me up and be like, hey, man, I, I want to run with you this week. I'm like, yeah, dude, sure. And he'd get off work. He would go home. He would eat like a pepperoni hot pocket and down like an energy drink and then come and meet me on the greenway. And then true to form after every run, he would puke. Just puke. Yeah. yeah. Say. That's the last I, experience I've had with I, a hot pocket. I think back of our college age, uh, college time. And I'm like, I, I was living off of red Baron frozen pizzas. <laughs> Ain't and, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and yingling. Like that was, that was the, <laughs> my, the staple of my diet. Two major That's food it. groups right there. Yeah. But I was running like, I was running upwards of thirty miles a week. Dude, you were you were killing it, in college, man. I don't know I'm how like, you did that. Well, I was just thinking now to go to class all day, and then I just. But I was like thinking, man, if I actually ate well, yeah, I I would have been in really good shape. You could have qualified for the Olympics. But it just goes to show that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I could actually run marathons. But it's man, just crazy how every like, every month we have our next class, which is kind of like our new members class here. And uh, we just do pizza for dinner for that night. Mm-hmm. And um, I eat pizza for next class. And I really, I don't eat like a ton of pizza any other time. I might have it once or twice a month after that. But um, dude, the older I get, like if I eat a pizza dinner, mm-hmm. I feel like quick Crete is in my gut for like 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Like it messes me up, man. I can't, and it's so funny because I like lived off of that stuff for so long. And now it's like once a month, I see that date on the calendar. I'm like, oh, okay. Be ready for the bubble guts for the next 24 hours. Here we go. Oh, so it's just part of growing old. And I think it is. Is this thing still recording? I think we probably need to sign off because it's getting, it's getting nutty. So anyway, hey, thank you. Big, big shout out to uh, Demi Lovato and uh, oh, anybody wow. else, anybody else listening that we referenced. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And uh, if you've got any questions, comments, cries of outrage, you can send us an email at fears of Bible podcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us via the Facebook page. Thank you guys for listening. See you guys next time. Keep it real. See you guys. All right, everybody. That's our show. A big shout out to our musical producer, Chase Payton, for new intro and outro tracks. And if you like what you've heard today, subscribe, give us a share, or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.